All right, how is everyone this morning? Good. Good, good. Hey, we're, uh, we're launching a new series today, as you can tell, called Bad Blood. And some of you are like, OMG. Okay, we're glad you're here today because we are going to hit it straight between the eyes. Uh, months ago, uh, I was at a conference and I heard a guy make a statement that as a pastor just really gripped my heart. He said, I don't know how in the culture in which we live that we can't do a dive bomb and talk about forgiveness and not hit the deepest nerve in the American heart. And I tell you what, that is so, so true. Like this whole series over the next couple of weeks, uh, God's going to use it to bring a lot of healing in our hearts, but he's also going to do a lot of revealing about our lives. So this whole idea of bad blood, right? Like what is it all about? Like what are we going to be talking about the next couple of weeks? Well, we're going to be talking about the culture we live in and how fractured and broken our relationships really are. I mean, think about it. Think about how unreconciled our culture is in the area of forgiveness. If you just start with a little bit of what I talked about last week, I talked in the end of our last series about the idea of racism. And when you even mention that you're going to talk about racism, there's a lot of people, man, the bad blood just rises. It's like you can see it in their face. I mean, people want to avoid the issue. They even want to run away from the issue. And it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on in relationship to that. uh, God tells us, it's like, hey, I I have something bigger for you than that. And then think about where we are in our culture. About eight weeks ago, there was a promise made to people in 2001 that you could have an affair and nobody would find out about it. So they put these billboards all over major cities that says, life is short, have an affair, ashleymadison.com. And eight weeks ago, 32 million people, literally, their lives got turned upside down. Their families got turned upside down. There's so much hurt and there's so much forgiveness that needs to take place in our culture. You take that one scandal alone, think about what we just celebrated on Friday when we celebrated the 14th anniversary of 9-11, right? Like I remember, like you remember, where I was the day that the planes hit the tower. And the day that that happened, the first thing in my heart was, I want to go join the military and I want to take some people out. Because now we got bad blood, right? I mean, that's how we felt. And 14 years later, to still see how deep the scars in our culture as a result of unforgiveness. Oh, this topic's real. And here's what's crazy. When you begin to talk about this topic, you realize that every generation has expressed this topic through the arts in multiple different ways, whether it's through paintings whether it's through slogans, whether it's through social movements, or even if it's through music. Because when I was in high school, there were these guys, like they, they knew like the heartbeat of the culture when it came to forgiveness. And, and, and I don't know how deep theologically they were, but they wrote some songs that spoke to my generation, and they wrote one song that went like this. Shot to the heart. You're to blame. You give love. (laughs) Yeah. That spoke to my culture. Like, baby, you hurt me so bad, 
You gave the whole name a bad name. Like they can't even call it love anymore. But every generation, through every part of the arts, we express this need for forgiveness and our own unforgiveness. I mean, think about it this way. Two years ago, a song came out. It sold 11 million copies out of a Disney movie called Frozen, and it was called Let It Go, Let It Go. Uh, I don't remember the words. Okay. I let it go. Uh, Here's the thought. Some of you wrecked the minivan over that song. You sang it so many times that you wanted to strangle a cartoon character. But isn't it true about our culture that we sang that song because we really can't find a way to let it go? And then T. Swift shows up on the scene and she writes a song and basically here's what she says. Baby, you hurt me really bad. This thing between us could have been different, but now it's over, and now all we got is bad blood. Every culture, every generation has their songs that expresses a desire that's deep within every one of us to really understand forgiveness. See, here's the thought. We all want to move on in life, but we don't really know how. We don't. I don't think there's anybody here today that would say, my goal is to stay in areas of unforgiveness of my life, and I love the miserable state. It makes me feel about myself that I can't forgive somebody and move on in my life. I don't think that's true about anybody in this room today. In fact, there are some of you in this room, you came in here and you feel hostage. You feel like that Something, that one thing, that those couple things that happened to you in your life have taken you so hostage, you just can't move on. And so we all want to move on in life. We just don't know how. I mean, we have all these techniques of how we move on. Like, I want restitution. Like, I want them to pay me back for what they did to me, right? We think that works. Like, they can pay me back. And yet, does payback ever really ever pay us back? You say, I want vindication. I want someone to vindicate me for the hurt that I went through. And yet all we end up doing is being vindicative. We all want to move on in life. We just don't know how. And when you think about it, much of what we express out of our own hearts really ties back to areas of forgiveness or unforgiveness. I mean, how do we ever move on? You see, when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to forgiveness, the crossroads of forgiveness is unavoidable. The crossroads of unforgiveness. You either choose to forgive or you choose not to forgive. It's a crossroads that is completely unavoidable. And here's the crazy thing about it. In our culture, we want to act as if we don't have to deal with this issue. Like somehow we can just stuff it or somehow we can just keep expressing it and it will deal with itself. But the crossroads of forgiveness is unavoidable in our life. Listen, we live in a sin-stained world. We have a lot of jacked up things going on in our world, right? There's things that have happened to us and things that are happening to us 
And so this idea of forgiveness, it's a crossroads that is unavoidable. We can't go around it. We can't go under it. We got to be willing to go through the crossroads of forgiveness. We're going to talk about why today. You see, when we go on that journey and we begin to process the pain of our hurt, we begin to move through to forgiveness and we can experience freedom. Real freedom. The journey always pays off. It may be difficult. It may be hard. But here's what I know. When it comes to forgiveness, we have to move through it to move on. You can't avoid it. You can't act like it doesn't exist. You can't close your eyes and just hope it goes away. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to the book of, uh, not Genesis, the book of Exodus chapter 14. Exodus is the second book in the Old Testament. It's the second book in the Bible. Turn there if you would. I want to tell you a story today about a group of people that attempted to move on without really ever moving through to forgiveness. Exodus 14, it's the story of the Israelites as they're leaving Egypt. And as they're leaving Egypt, we see in the early part of Exodus 14 that they saw the Egyptians chasing after them, and they cried out to the Lord. They did what most people would do in their scenario. They went to their leader who was trying to lead them out of bondage and slavery, and they complained to him. His name was Moses. And they looked at Moses and they said, hey, did you bring us out here in the desert so we could just die? Like, were there no graves left in Egypt to bury us? Were your your plans to just lead us out so that we could die? And when we die, you would just bury us out here in the desert? You could have left us alone, Moses. We were really happy serving the Egyptians, even though we were grumbling to God saying, God, free us, get us out of this. Like, set us free. We're tired of all this oppression. We're really happy serving these Egyptians. It's not so bad. (laughs) And they had become so oppressed and so enslaved that they didn't even know it and they were blind to it. Here's the key truth. Some people spend a lifetime stuck in places of shame, blame, and unforgiveness. Numb to its long-term effects. So the Bible tells us in Exodus 14, 13, look what it says. It says, Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. That's a pretty good statement. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Look at verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. They were stuck. He said, tell them to move on. I mean, think about it. They are are on the edge of getting out of Egypt, and they were about to be delivered. They were about to be set free, all of that stuff behind them, and they were stuck in fear, and they could not move on. So Moses continued to lead them, and in chapter 15, even though they were grumbling, even though their hearts were upset, the Bible says that he led them through the Red Sea onto dry land got them out of Egypt, and they even began to sing songs to God, like, God, thank you for getting us out of this. Thank you for letting us get past this. Thank you that we didn't die in the desert. Thank you that all this other stuff. But here's the crazy thing. 
They're moving on, right? Not really. Because then reality set in. And suddenly, what was stuck deep down inside them began to come forth. Look at verse 22 of chapter 15. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur for three days. They were three days past one of the greatest miracles of all time. For three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why this place, or that is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we going to drink, Moses? What are we going to drink? You led us all the way out here. We're out of Egypt now, but we're going to die. Here's what had happened. They had left Egypt physically, but Egypt had not left them. I mean, they had left it physically, but emotionally and spiritually, their hearts and their minds were still in captivity. You know anybody like that? What happened to them was 20 years ago, but it still is real to them today. I mean, think about it. Think of the years of oppression that they had faced. Think of all the times that that the Egyptians had beat them, had called them names, had marked them out, had basically said, you have no worth, you have nothing. All of that that had been beat into them over and over and over again, they had left physically, but they had never left emotionally. The years of oppression had left them numb to its own effects, and they still saw the world from the same perspective. Here's, the, here's their perspective. I'm a victim. I'm hurt. I'm offended. I have reason to be offended. They had tried to move on without moving through. You ever been there in your life? Something happens to you in your life and you try to move on and then suddenly you realize a year later you never really moved on. Look at verse 25. Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood and he threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. And there the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. Here's what God said to them. Look what it says. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Here's what God was saying to them. If you guys will just trust me, and if you will go through with me, if you will obey me, if you will listen to me, if you'll follow me, I'll be your healer. And all those plagues and all those nasty things that happened to us in Egypt, that won't happen to you. So Moses was left with an opportunity. He picked up a stick and he threw it into the water and the water became healed. And God says, I want you to remember I'm your healer. I want you to remember this place. I'm your healer. Look where he took them next, verse 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. They went from despair, drought, dying, to a place of bitterness. And when the stick hit the water, the bitter water became healed. They drank the water, and then look at the next place God took them, to a place of healing. 
The Lord had already prepared the place. The Lord already knew they were going to go to Elam. See, here's what unforgiveness is. Unforgiveness is a filter. It's a filter that we apply into our lives that will stain our view of life and strain our relationships with others. Look at your neighbor and say, filter. All right, look at your other neighbor and say, stain. All right, some of you, you are good at applying filters. I've seen your social media stuff, like, right? You've got all kinds of filters to make it look like it's the best day ever, like I do too. But here's what unforgiveness is. It is a filter that if we're not careful, becomes applied to our life that will stain our view of the world and will strain every single relationship we have in life. Here's how I know that's true. There are some of you that have friends and people in your life, the world is never a good place for them, right? Every day they talk about how everyone's against them and how they they never see the world from a... It's always, the world hates me. You met those people? Maybe you don't have friends like that. I have friends that it's always a bad day. And it's always a bad day because somebody's always done something to them. The whole world is out to get them. I mean, they think every cat in the neighborhood wants to, like, kill their house. Their stain of unforgiveness is so deep that their view of the world... And then the strain of relationships. They go from bad relationship situation to bad relationship situation to bad. And it's always the other person's fault, right? It's never their fault. That's what unforgiveness is. It's a filter. So how do we ever move through it? Remember what I said? To move on, we got to move through. How do we ever move through to forgiveness in our life? Well, Paul, in his writings to the church at Colossae, gave us a verse that we need to investigate today. Look what it says in Colossians 3.13. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, some of you go, listen, it is a bear to live with this person I'm living with, Sean. That is the bear that I bear, okay? That word bear, it means to be long-suffering. It means to walk the journey. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Here's the thought about this. This is why the crossroads of unforgiveness or forgiveness is unavoidable. Paul wrote this verse. Here's what he was saying. You're going to have a grievance. You're going to come to a crossroads where you're going to have to learn to forgive and move on or not forgive and be stuck. And so he quoted these words to us. He says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So how do we move through to forgiveness? First of all, for the believer. For the believer, forgiveness begins when you realize you're more than halfway there. Let me explain. Second part of that verse says this. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let me ask you a really awesome question today. How much has God forgiven you? You say, no, Sean, you don't understand. I want to hold on to the offense that I have because it feels good for me. Like I am in control of this other person as long as I am offended by them. Can you imagine if God did that to us? 
I mean, it's like this forgiveness meter, right? How much has God really forgiven us? Because here's why we struggle so much with forgiveness. We look at the forgiveness meter like, today I feel like God only forgave me about 42%. I'm only 42% forgiven. We live our lives as if God has only forgiven us 42%. But that's not how God forgives. God peaks the whole meter, right? He says, forgive as the Lord has forgave you. Here's why forgiveness is real in our lives. As a believer in Christ. Now, if you're not a believer here today, we're gonna talk about that in just a minute. But as a believer, you are more than halfway there to forgiving someone. Why? Because the Lord's already forgiven you. You're not just halfway there because I have to believe that God's forgiveness is better than our forgiveness, right? The struggle you have is this. You struggle to apply what you've never applied. And that's the love of God and his forgiveness towards you. You see, you will always struggle to forgive until you know you are forgiven. And once you know that you are forgiven, suddenly it all changes. See, here's what happens. Forgiven people forgive people. I'm more than halfway there. Well, Sean, what about this person? That it, I understand, but do you realize that God's forgiveness is always bigger than my forgiveness, so I'm more than halfway there. Forgiveness for the believer is a reality because we are more than halfway there. We have to apply the forgiveness that's been given to us first because forgiven people forgive people. So you meet someone in your life and they just can't move on and they deal with unforgiveness and and you, you hurt for them and you cry for them. The greatest thing you need to pray for them is this, God, show them your love. Because once they know how much you love them, you can set them free to love somebody else. Forgiven people forgive people. Let me tell you how else we move through this. We have to pursue forgiveness on God's terms, not your terms. I mean, think about that. How do I pursue forgiveness? By the way, I want to make this statement. The only way we truly find forgiveness is on God's terms. But we act as if we can do it on our terms, right? I mean, we got all of our terms set up on, I will forgive this person when they do X. I will forgive this person if they do Y. And yet, that's forgiveness on your terms. It's kind of like this. Y'all ever seen one of those really good weekend ads where they tell you that they're going to sell you this amazing 2015 red Camaro with black racing stripes? And so you go down to the dealership and you forgot to read the fine print on the ad because at the end of the ad, they show this amazing car and it says these words, some terms and restrictions apply. So you show up at the dealer and you're like, dude, I want to see the Camaro you had on the, on the show, like on the television deal. Like, I want to see that one. And, and I say, well, well, which deal were you talking about? And they bring out not the deal that you thought that you were going to get. They bring out their deal. Because why? Some restrictions and terms apply. So they bring out this one. It's not even really red. Like, it doesn't even have mirrors on the side. You got to pay extra for that. Oh, you want a back seat? That'll be 350 you want one of those, boop, 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 boop. Okay, that'll be 900. And you realize the deal is not as good as you thought it was. 
You see, when it comes to forgiveness, that's what we do when we try to give forgiveness on our terms. I kind of look at it this way. My terms is limited and conditional. I'm going to forgive you because I feel like it today. Limited and conditional. I'm going to forgive you because you have earned my everything back. Listen, limited and conditional. But God's terms, limitless and unconditional. God's not limited. God's not limited. See, when it comes to forgiveness on my terms, it's built on works. I am working toward forgiveness, right? Because until you've applied it to your life, you think everyone else has to earn it like you're trying to earn it. But forgiveness on God's terms equals grace. You didn't deserve it in the first place. And God lavished it on you because he loved you before the beginning of time. Here's the crazy thing. Forgiveness on my terms works is about me working toward forgiveness. Forgiveness on God's terms, which equals grace, is working from forgiveness. Do you get it? That's where we change our hearts. We have to pursue forgiveness on God's terms, not your terms. So some of you here today, you say, okay, I get that. I understand it. But here's what I want to say to you today. Well, I will forgive, but I will not forget. Well, let me ask you a simple question today. Have you truly forgiven until you've forgotten? Because the more I pursue forgiveness on God's terms, the more I forget. I just don't remember anymore. I can't remember. Some of you have held something against somebody and you don't even remember why you're holding it against them. Well, she sort of, I don't know. Well, I remember when he, what's the real issue? Part of forgiveness is forgetting. In fact, I want you to see it this way. Forgetting is a marker that we are in the process of forgiving. You want to know how much you've forgiven someone? How much do you remember about the offense? Let it go. Let it go. It's getting tense in here. It's a marker. Forgetting is a marker that you're in the process of forgiving. You should pray, Lord, help me forget. Help me forget. Because when I have totally forgotten, it's a a really good sign that I am really walking in true forgiveness. Because isn't that what you want God to do with your sin? God, I want you to forget my sin. So sometimes you just got to say to someone that you're in the process of walking through forgiveness, you got to say, I'm still loading. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm still loading, I'm still in process. And and I just want you to know that I am choosing to forget day after day after day. Forgiveness is real. And forgetfulness is a really, really good thing to have. You see, this is why men are really good at forgiving. (laughs) We can't remember nothing. Some of you women, you shared with us a deep inner thought three weeks ago in the car on the way to somewhere. 
And like yesterday, you looked at your spouse or someone you love and say, remember when I discussed with you about Harry and Jen? But you remember how many yards your running back rushed for three weeks ago. I'm so sorry, men. The truth is, as funny as we can laugh about that, we have to... (laughs) We have to ask God, God, make me forget. Make me forget. I have this pan at my house. I've got to tell you about it. It's a nonstick pan. You can throw an egg in that thing and cook it about as long as you want and turn it over and it just falls out. Some of us need some of that in our life. We need more nonstick. And you know what nonstick is? The fact that you have applied God's grace to your life, therefore nothing sticks anymore. I can't be offended. Why? Because God took away my offense. You know what the next piece is? We need to embrace the cross to apply forgiveness. We need to embrace the cross to apply forgiveness. Here's how we want to forgive. This is how the world teaches us to forgive, by the way. Here's what the world says. Today, by the way, it's halfway through September, in case you were wondering. Today's Sunday, so if you did something against me, it's Sunday, so I should forgive you, right? It's Sunday. So I feel good because I came saying songs about Jesus and heard some guy whatever. And so here, so I'm going to forgive you today because it's Sunday, right? So it's Monday. Now listen, guys, Monday is horrible in my life. So I have a really hard time forgiving anyone. I can't even forget. I can't even forgive the coffee maker for not making more coffee on Monday morning. But Tuesday, I feel like forgiving you, right? Because I look and I say, you know, I should forgive her for what she did. I should forgive him. And so Wednesday's kind of a good day, but not Thursday. And here's why, because I read your social media post on Wednesday night and I know that you're talking about me I ain't gonna forgive you on Thursday so now there's Friday Friday's pretty good listen there ain't no way I'm forgiving you for Saturday night because I know what you're doing so I'm gonna forgive you here because it's Sunday again I'm gonna come over here I've got a day here and then I go well that's pretty good like I've done a really good job at forgiving them and then you know we got a day here got some over here I'm gonna forgive you here and the hope is that there will be more black days in which I say I forgive you and that's my terms Let me ask you a question. Why would you ever want forgiveness on your terms? Why? <laughs> and then there's God's terms. And here's what God's term says. When you apply the cross and you embrace it for what it did for you, you can have the capability of applying forgiveness in every area of your life. Here's why. When the cross is applied, it overrides. So here's what forgiveness is. You know what the definition of forgiveness is? To give in advance with specific intent. Forgive. I am giving before. So this is what forgiveness from God's perspective looks like. 
When the cross is applied, I no longer even have to decide. Why? Because it overrides how I feel. And this is why some of you have struggled to forgive the person who hurt you, who let you down, who struggled, and you're just like, I just can't, I just can't. Listen, when the cross is applied, it overrides. It doesn't matter what you post on Thursday. I have decided in advance that because the cross is bigger than my sin, the cross can be bigger than your sin. And it takes us to a place of forgiveness. Because when the cross is applied, it overrides. Say it to your neighbor. When the cross is applied, it overrides. What does it override? It overrides the offense. It overrides the person. It overrides everything. And what happens is you are no longer held captive. And here's why. Because some of you in this room think, I'm going to hold someone else captive by not letting it go. And what's happened is you have found yourself in your own prison because you can't let it go. See, forgiveness based on my feelings, I get frustrated. But forgiveness based on the facts of the cross, I get freed. Back to Genesis 15. The Bible says when Moses walked into the people who were grumbling against him and the Lord, the Lord says, I have a remedy for this, Moses. I want you to take this stick and I want you to throw it into the water and I'm going to heal the water because I want my people to move on. I don't want them to hang around pools of bitterness. I want them to move through to forgiveness. You know what God did? 2,000 years ago, he took a stick and he threw it into humanity. It's called the cross of Jesus Christ. And when the cross is applied, it overrides. And if we're ever going to move through all that we think has offended us and the size of the offense, it starts with that stick. When the cross is applied, it overrides. Would you bow your heads with me today? God wants you to move on. And he knows that the only way you're going to move on is to move through forgiveness. And when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, he didn't send it as a part-time remedy. He sent it as the remedy. That you and I have the capacity and the ability to forgive because we have been forgiven. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. God's forgiveness is full on. Our forgiveness needs to be full on. And if you're here today, until you apply what Jesus did for you at the cross, you don't have the capability to forgive another person because you don't feel forgiven. You feel like everything that you've ever done is an offense against you because you're looking at your life and and you are measuring your life up according to your works. But the Bible says God's remedy was that he threw a stick into humanity called the cross of Jesus. And when we completely surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we can find real forgiveness. The first step for some of you to forgive the person in your life that hurt you is for you to be forgiven and you to apply 
what Jesus did for you. Because until you apply it, and here's the crazy thing. Do you realize that God did the same thing? He applied it to override it. He applied the cross to humanity so that he could override sin. And so today, if you've never made this decision before, before you leave, I want you to have and know that Jesus Christ has forgiven your sins, that you have a relationship with him, not just knowledge about him. Would you bow your heads with me? I have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If today you've never made this decision before, now's your moment to apply what Jesus said he can override. If that's you, pray this prayer with me. Just say, dear God, thank you for bringing me here today. Today, Jesus, I believe that you died for me on the cross so that I could be forgiven. And today, Jesus, I apply that to my life and I invite you into my life as Savior and Lord. Jesus, would you come into my heart? Make me a new person on the inside. I surrender my life to you, Jesus, from this day forward. Thank you for saving me, Jesus.